Welcome to the Beacon broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com, beaconbaptist.com. The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. Yesterday on the Beacon Broadcast, we concluded our study of the last verse of the last chapter of the last epistle that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, as far as we know. There are actually two epistles included in our New Testament. We call them First and Second Corinthians. In Great Britain, they are more likely to say 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. I can remember some years ago when a a national politician referred to a verse, and he called it, he, he quoted the text as 2 Corinthians and was ridiculed by the press. What an ignoramus, what a, what a phony, what a hypocrite. He claims to be someone who knows the Bible, but he doesn't even know how to say it. He said 2 Corinthians, ha, ha, ha. Well, the funny thing about it is that the people who criticized actually are showing their ignorance. Now, I don't know whether that politician knew any different or not. I'm not not commenting on his Christianity or his knowledge of the Bible. It's probably not particularly strong. But this didn't display any great knowledge by those who were criticizing him either because they just showed their ignorance that there is more than one way to refer to these epistles and that our British brethren would all say 2 Corinthians. We have had on a number of occasions British preachers preach at our church. I say a number of occasions, several occasions, well, quite a few. We've had a couple of different British men to preach in our pulpit, and one of them several times over the years. And that's the way they would say it, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Well, Paul wrote 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, and there's reference to another one in between there somewhere that did not get included in our New Testament because God the Holy Spirit saw fit not to include it. And another reference that possibly could refer to a fourth, though it doesn't necessarily. So we really don't know. But as far as the ones included in our New Testament are concerned, there are two Corinthian epistles, both of them very lengthy. 1 Corinthians, 16 chapters. 2 Corinthians, 13 chapters. These are major books in the Bible. And we have studied through both of them verse by verse by verse on the Beacon broadcast and have come to the last verse of the 2 Corinthian epistle. So thank you for joining us on this Thursday, January 18. Thank you for helping us with the cost of maintaining this broadcast on this station. When we lay 2 Corinthians aside, we are going to take up a much shorter epistle, but very important one. We're going to study Paul's first epistle to the Thessalonian church. So get ready for that. But before we lay this one aside, 
I would like to draw three lessons out of this epistle, particularly three lessons out of this the closing portion of the closing chapter as we have studied it over the last several days. And what are they? Well, number one, the importance of having a life regulated by truth. Number two, the importance of pastors ministering according to their God-given duties. And number three, the importance of Christians regulating their lives and their involvement in their local church according to their God-given duties. So let's look at these three things one by one. First of all, how important it is that each of us have lives regulated by truth. Remember what Paul said in verse 8 of this chapter, this closing section. He said, For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. In other words, Paul was saying, My life is totally and completely regulated by truth, You say, well, what is truth? You sound like Pilate. That's what he asked Jesus when uh, Jesus made reference to truth. And Pilate said, what is truth? And the Bible tells us what truth is. In fact, in Christ's high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, praying to the Father, he said, Father, sanctify them, my disciples, sanctify them, your dear children, sanctify them, born-again believers, Through your truth, thy word, your word, is truth. Sanctify them in the truth. What is that? Your word is truth. Now, obviously, anything that God has spoken is his word. But only the word of God that we have given to us in the scriptures is the Word of God that we know is the Word of God, and it is the Word of God that God has seen fit to communicate to us in a form that we can have it, study it, revisit it, examine it carefully, go back to it, learn from it. The point being, the the whole focus, the whole goal of doing that is to regulate our lives by truth. In this world of confusion, in this world of darkness, in this world where so many people don't know what the truth is, and many people don't even think there is such a thing as truth, certainly not absolute truth. Truth is a moving target to many people in our day. We often hear people talking about, well, that's my truth. Your truth may be different, but that's my truth. Well, now, friends, If my truth is not the same as your truth, then they are contradictory and they can't both be true. What does true mean? You can't take truth and make it subjective. Well, this is true for me. This is true to me. Something else, something the opposite may be true for you, but this is true for me. Oh, what trouble we get into when we become so self-centered and so individualized that we've even come to the place in American society where we believe that truth is something that is different from one person to another. At least that's what we are told until it becomes no more convenient to think that anymore. That always breaks down. It, it, it doesn't. Even those who say that and, and say they believe that and talk that way don't talk that way consistently. 
when people who talk that way become opposed to, say, um, rape, how terrible it is that there's so much of that that is going on in society, so much of that that's going on on college campuses, the very places where so many people have this subjective idea of truth. Your truth is one thing, my truth is another. Well, what if for the boy who, who commits the rape, that his truth is there's nothing wrong with this? On what basis can you say that it's wrong, he shouldn't do that, and he needs to be, he needs to be held accountable for it and punished for it? Well, that's your truth, but that's not his truth. Oh, wait a minute. Now we don't want subjective truth that differs from time to time and place to place and person to person. We want to all agree on the same truth. That's wrong. When, when these same people want to talk about justice in society and how what's going on in society is unjust for this group of people or that group of people, and we demand justice for these people. We march for justice for these people. We are determined that we shall have justice for these people. Now, wait a minute. What is justice? Maybe your idea of justice is different from my idea of justice. Your truth about justice differs from my truth about justice. Oh, no, 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 no. We've got to all agree on what justice is for these people, these minority people, these oppressed people. Isn't it strange how the very people who want to make truth subjective when it suits them are insistent that certain truths become objective when that's necessary to carry out what they believe. No consistency there. But what we've got to agree on, if we're going to find out what truth really is, what, we are, what we've got to agree on is that God, the Creator— God, who made this world, this universe, God, who made you and me, God is the one who defines truth. He tells us what is true and what is false, and what he says is right. <laughs> he's God. He's holy God. He's, he's, he's a God who cannot sin. He cannot commit error. He cannot be wrong. He is always right. And therefore, what he declares to be the truth is indeed the truth. Not everyone is willing to accept that, of course, because men and women come into this world as sinners who are at fundamental odds with God and fundamental rebellion against God, who are not happy to submit to God, who are in many cases not even happy if they... <laughs> go on to higher education, may not even be happy to agree that there is such a thing as God. And so the idea that there is objective truth determined by a higher power, God, who claims for himself the right to, to define truth and declare truth and to hold us accountable to truth, that very idea is abhorrent to many, but I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. And if you want to know truth, you're going to have to accept that. You're going to have to yield to that. You're going to have to change your thinking to agree with what God has said. Your ideas are going to have to be subjected to God's declarations.
And may I remind you that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus Christ is truth, and Jesus Christ speaks truth. He is the communication of God's truth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so everything that Jesus spoke is truth. And truth is what God declares it to be, and we need to hear the truth, receive the truth, believe the truth, apply the truth, obey the truth, follow the truth. If we're wise, that's what we'll do. And that's what this Corinthian epistle is telling them to do and telling us to do. And that's why Paul said in verse 8, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. We can do nothing against the truth. We can only do that which is in keeping with truth. And that's the way Paul lived his life, a life regulated by truth, that is, the truth that God reveals. And that's the way we need to regulate our lives, according to truth that God has revealed. And so let's get busy doing that. Anything less than that is dangerous. Anything very far away from that is disastrous. But when we line up our lives with the truth, believing it, receiving it, applying it, following it, then we will be, we will be in good condition both on earth and for all eternity. Until tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.